And think of the third world like I haven't been to the third world and I hope one day I get to go there because I want to see for myself I have a friend who spent a lot of time in the third world and they often talk about the joy that people have in the midst of their lack mm. uh, of, of what we would call lack and it really grates against me because I'm so blessed and I have everything I need and yet I'm not as joyous as they are you know and maybe i need to really take stock of of what i value well welcome back to the christians in culture podcast this is episode number five um and it's titled there's nothing new under the sun i think that's in the bible somewhere isn't it jimmy yeah apparently (laughs) So we've spent the last couple of episodes discussing the concept of secularism and the post-Christian world. Uh, You you may have heard Christians express um, that all this means that we're living in like the darkest times in history, the end times, and you know, the thunder. Yeah, everyone's trembling in their boots. There's a concern that. Before too long, Christians will be so persecuted that we won't be even able to practice our faith or be a Christian. Yeah. Um, so we thought it'd be a good idea to to talk through some of these ideas, uh, through the concerns, and and we need to check to to see if this is correct. If if the narrative that we've been following in our minds is actually what's happening in in the real world. So we're going to ask. The, the first and obvious question, are things worse today than they ever have been before? So if someone wants to jump in. I might have to leave this one to Rowan, seeing the fact that, well, I'm 36. Okay. Well, that makes me the old boy at yeah. 47. <laughs> so I'm clearly an expert on all things historical at 47. Are things worse than ever before? Hey, everyone. It's good to have you with us on the podcast for episode five. Um I, when I was in high school, Adam, I, uh, I had an option. I was given the option in my electives in, I think it was year nine and ten, I had the choice between uh, could, would I study geography or would I study history? It was like the two lines. And so I chose geography uh, because the last thing I wanted to do was history at that time. And um, I have this quick this quip that I have these days that uh, my two years of geography, I can now read a weather map and I understand what Arctic tundra is. <laughs> After two years, that's what's stuck with me. Cool. I can read a weather map, but who needs a weather map when Siri tells you what the weather's going to be anyway? Yep. And uh, yes, it's a bit of a novelty to be able to read a weather map and predict the, the weather. Uh, actually, actually, side point, I actually did my work experience at the Bureau of Meteorology in Canberra. So, I was going to be a meteorologist for at least a short period of time there. (laughs) Uh, But I changed and now I predict the spiritual climate. You saw the light. Uh, Very good. I saw the light. Wow. So, uh, yeah, let's predict some (laughs) spiritual climate here. So, I gave history uh, a miss and, and unfortunately because... Now, I would consider myself an amateur historian. I'm certainly by no means um, a professional historian, but I love reading about history. I love – that's not true. I don't actually like reading at all. I love reading – listening to audiobooks about history. I love watching documentaries about anything historical. And, and as a result of that, I think that has been probably my greatest uh, joy in the last 
25 years uh, outside of studying the scriptures is studying history. And I think they're so closely linked together. So when I, I think with all that in mind, I, I think that uh, it's fair to say, are things worse than they ever before? I, I, I don't know that they are. Mm. I, I know that people straight away are probably going to rattle off a whole heap of reasons why they believe it's worse than before. All I'd say is if, if you're of, a, of the belief, if you're listening to this and you're of the belief or you've bought into the belief or just automatically assumed because people have said, you know, we're into the darkest times of history, all I would say, just before you buy the rhetoric, just seek to do a bit of research because I think what you'll find is that that's not exactly the case, that realistically, and we have touched on this in a previous episode, that, mm. that to a large degree, I think our society today is, is actually in a, in a better place in many ways than it has been in various other times in history. And, and what concerns me about this, painting this picture that things are, pardon me, are so dark, is I'm concerned it's not showing a lot of respect to people who've lived through a lot worse. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's wise to, to look at it and go, oh, things as bad as they were before. Mm. I, I am concerned the level of despair and fear that I see in, in so many Christians, but but not just in Christians. I, I think at the at in in non Christians as well. In the mm. level of fear th that is is dictating our society about how w bad the world is mm. is is not helpful. No. Uh, just as we've read this this week, and we'll probably talk about this. You know, we've got the climate change issues. We're recording this, and and it's very hot, and mm. and there's a lot of fear surrounding the climate change issue. Mm. And, you know, that the world is going to die in the next generation, and all those sorts of things. And I don't know that fear is necessary. I'm not saying climate change isn't happening, mm. uh, but what? But but fear. There is there is fear, and then there is there is counter fear on the other side. Yeah. We're in out with people posting their opinions about things, and there's not not a whole lot of dialect happening. Mm. Uh, and I don't. I'm not not sure that that's helpful. I'm not sure that yeah. it's mm. helpful. We do have this tendency to assume that the worst in the past, and then move on, mm. um, or we live with this fear that. In this era that we live in now, that this is this is the darkest time. But I'm an Xer. I think we said that in the last podcast. You guys are more like wise, so you probably don't have the vivid memory that I had going to high school in the 80s, knowing that we could wake up and the world could end. Whether we lived with a, I as a Gen Xer in high school lived with a very vivid fear and concern that the world could end. We were in the heart of the nuclear cold war, mm. and the world could end mm. in uh, a moment. Mm. No, the, the nuclear you know, winter could come. Mm. That was very real and it was very fear-based. Fear and I'm not a, an expert on how genuine and how close we came. My understanding is from watching, uh, watching what's that movie with, the, the, is it 12 Days? The one about the Cuban Missile Crisis? Yeah. Yep. With Robert Kennedy, mm. with the Kennedys. And uh, I think my mum has said that she remembers that era, that was before my time, and that that was probably the closest the world has come to a nuclear annihilation. We got right to the brink of it at that point. Yeah. Um, but nuclear war. So there's a lot of fear in society, mm. and here we are. Yeah. So is it as bad as it was? Mm. I, I'm not mm. so sure. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it is um, the fear isn't from persecution. I think a lot of the fear is around the loss of privilege. Yeah, I think that's. A good I think insecurity. that's probably yeah. it's that um, uh, Christians. Being perceived, Christianity being perceived as the dominant part of culture for, for, for a long time is that you had some sort of privilege being a Christian. Mm. And I think with that going away, 
now, if we're moving into this secular culture, this post-Christian culture, mm. um, or we're already in that, I think that's what we're the conclusion we've come yes, that so far. So. Uh, that you, yeah, you lose the privilege of being Christian. Being a Christian, you're not, you aren't seen any different. You might be seeing as lesser yes, by yeah. some people. There's not entitlements that go no. with Christianity anymore. And I think that's the that's mm. I think that's where the fear lies. Like I I don't think that people who are fearful of this time now are overtly saying, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose all the privileges of being a Christian. But I think that's where the root of it comes from, whether or not we see it in that way. Uh, and that's through like for myself, that's a lot of, you know, listening and and well, reading but through auditory ways um, and yep, like that's like yeah is that that seems to be that prevailing thing is that the a lot of our fear is based out of a loss of privilege because if we say uh, is being a Christian and being African American Christian now better or worse than it was 50 years ago 40 years ago I'm pretty sure most of them say being an African American Christian is a lot better now than it was then good point mm. or just being African American yes um, even though it's, it's far even, from perfect yeah it's yeah it's not it's not, not yes. saying that you know the, they, that there aren't horrible it can't be great still. things like yeah. it can't get better for them yes but or for anyone in yes. particular but it's saying that you know to say that we are in uh, a dark spot. I think that you know, technology is ever growing, ever increasing. Our lives are becoming easier in that way, um, but it has its pitfalls on the other side. I think we'll talk about that at some time yeah, later as well. Sure. Um, and you know, persecution. We we are not yet at a threaten a level where our lives are threatened mm. for being Christian, mm. at least in in Western in, society. In most of Western society, yeah. correct. So yeah. that's. I, that's where I would say that, you know, we're not at, yeah. you know, it's not all doom and gloom at the moment. No, no, I, I think it's good for, at least for us as Western Christians to just to think that through the implications of what you've just said there, mm. Jimmy, and think what what is it like for people living in other parts of the world? Mm. What is it like for other people who've lived in other parts of history in different times? What would it like to have been an African-American 100 years ago? Mm. Just before we automatically jump on the, it's so dark, I mean, train, because we we can get into a, peer, a poor me pity party mentality. Mm. Not helpful. Mm. And, di- and disrespectful, I think, in many ways to people who have endured a lot. And that's, please, mm. if you're listening to this, I'm not in any way saying that it, it's cushy. I mean, there, there's abuse, there's violence, there's addiction, there's terrorism, mm. there's, you know, unprecedented levels of anxiety and depression. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm just saying that it's uh, it's not necessarily so much darker than than the rest of society other parts of the world or other yeah. times in history i guess is the answer to the question yeah. you originally asked i think yeah i hear that and I often i often think of the third world like i haven't been to the third world and i hope one day i get to go there because i want to see for my myself um but i've often like i know a fr- uh, i have a friend who who has spent a lot of time in the third world and they often talk about the joy that people have in the midst of their lack mm. uh, of of what we would call lack, yeah, and I, I, it really grates against me because I'm so blessed and I have everything I need, and yet I'm not as as, as joyous as, as they are, you yes. know. And and I think, oh man, maybe I need to really take stock of of what I value and. Mm. 
and we're talking about the, the fear kind of idea mm. um, and people don't want to be made to feel uncomfortable yeah. um, in any any sense and I think um, we need to really take stock of what it is that we are idolizing in, in our world that is causing us to not um, preach the gospel. Yeah, yeah, to be motivated by bunker down or fear or, or fear yeah. of how bad things are and so on. Because hmm. yeah. it's ultimately, it can be ultimately down to that person isn't going to be my friend anymore. Mm. And that, in when it, it pales in comparison to I'm not going to be able to eat today. Mm. And, and that actually yeah. endangers my life. Yeah, mm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Good points. So we would agree that in terms of physical safety, the Western world is, is safer than anywhere else. Well, I think histo- any historian would tell you that that's, relatively speaking, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's safer than any other time in any other part of the world in ever. history, ever. Yeah. yeah. And that's not to say that it's it's totally safe, but relatively speaking, it is safer, yeah. yes. Mm. Yes. So I think that, that that's worth us just, that's sobering. That should be sobering for us as Western Christians. Yeah. Listening to this. Yeah. So just looking at our notes here, um, there's a thing called the judges cycle that I'd like you to unpack for us, Pastor Rowan. Sure. I, I did touch on it briefly and I said I'd probably refer to it a few times during this series. Um, the judges cycle is a pattern that, that we see repeated in the book of Judges mm. and it's actually you can pretty much map this onto history in in throughout all periods of history even through uh, european history through south american history uh, i'm not an expert on russian history so i couldn't comment mm. on that one but uh, oh, i'm not really a big issue expert on asian history either but this pattern does repeat itself and and uh, it's the seven, i think it's seven times in the book of judges we see god blessing the people the people becoming complacent in their blessing because they become fat and comfortable in their blessing things are going well for them they're favored so they become focused on their blessings rather than the blessor uh, that leads ultimately to this complacency which then turns to uh rebellion they they turn ultimately turn away from god and, and feel like we don't need god we can have the kingdom without the king like mm. we talked about in the last episode and which brings about judgment because a selfishness arises whenever we try to have the moral Morality without the moral law giver, we end up with selfishness, and that leads to God's judgment. God's judgment would, in the case of judges, was uh, brought by an enemy, a neighbouring enemy, against the people of Israel, and ultimately, under the the pain of judgment, they would turn back to God. They would repent, and repentance and turning back to God and forsaking foreign gods and repenting of their selfishness would lead to deliverance because God is gracious and compassionate and he would Mm. bring about deliverance. And when God brought about deliverance, that would bring blessings and the cycle would start over again. Mm. And so I think in our society, in in this post-Christian Western society that we're living into, my view is if we were to map it on that cycle, I would say that we are heading back into the rebellion phase. Um, and as Christians, we're bemoaning that. We're, we're upset about the fact that our society is in a rebellion phase against God. Mm. But the rebellion phase against God was immediately preceded the repentance phase against mm. God. So, so if we can stop spending so much time focusing on worrying about what we've lost and start seeing the opportunity for what there is to gain, yeah. Yeah. 
it'll turn us from fear to faith. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I want to encourage all the listeners, you know, Christians in culture is about how do we interact as Christians in culture. And I think we can start to see it's an opportunity for revival. Yeah, yeah. that's good. And to see that the, the fields are ripe for the harvest. Yes. Yeah. And that the workers are few. Yeah. And mm. th- that's what this podcast is all about, to, to equip the workers to go and, and harvest. Yeah. Now, so the judges cycle, that sounds pretty, pretty scary. Mm. Yeah, it can be pretty scary, but the end result is deliverance. That's right. And blessing, which yes, is exactly. fantastic. Yep. So what can we learn from the scriptures in, in order for us to, to live in a place that's not full, fueled by fear? Mm. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Jimmy? Um, I can I go know, ahead probably. if you want to have a think. I've got it, yeah. Maybe you go, I'm have, I've got a few things, but okay. it's just sort of all right. You got to let them cook. Yeah, I've got it just rattling around in my head and I don't, sure. don't want to just start talking. All right, yeah. let him cook. All right, well, I, I think, um, Adam, that what's really important is uh, we it determines how we – I don't know if you can hear that cars in the background on your microphone, but if you can't, we can hear them. There's uh, some some very loud car vehicles out in the car park. Just ignore those. We will do our best to ignore them too. I, th- I think how we view ourselves as Christians in relation to our culture is important. And, and I think that a study on the Jewish exile is very helpful. Uh, a little bit of history is necessary, as I've said already in this podcast, to help us. And the reason that the study in the, the Jewish exile can be helpful is because I think that will help us to understand how we conduct ourselves in the world today yep i think that engine is working well <laughs> it's like we're conducting a podcast at the summonats uh, yeah it's like podcast <laughs> at the summonats in canberra that's what it's like if you can't hear that believe me it's plenty loud enough uh so i think if we could start to view ourselves as exiles that we no longer have the moral majority we're no longer living in the blessing and abundance mm, yeah. that will be helpful to us so there's that's a few a, that's th- a really interesting idea because we we have been talking about being um, in a kingdom that's not of this world. Of this world, yeah. So we're, we're in a kingdom that's in another kingdom. And yep. wow, that's very loud. That's actually so loud that the concrete the, walls in the church The building are shaking, yeah. The, you haven't, yeah, haven't yeah. felt it shake since Sunday. No, not since Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Adam was leading worship. <laughs> yeah, the presence of God was so strong, that's right. So yeah, if we can do that, yes, if we can view ourselves that way, I think it, it's helpful to us. And so there are a few resources that I think before we explain it, there are a few resources that may be of help here. First of all, uh, a study of the exile, so a study of the book of Daniel, uh, to uh, a book that I can recommend by Larry Osborne uh, called Thriving in Babylon. Superb book on this very topic, Thriving in Babylon, how to live in a society where essentially we are the exiles. And uh, also the video, Bible Project video, The Way of the Exile and the accompanying uh, accompanying pod- podcasts on The Way of the Exile. Mm. Uh, I have used that video. I was just in Thailand uh, over the week, uh, pr- last week, and uh, I'd previously spoken with our pastor, Turbo, that's his name, not the engine outside. Mm. We've spoken <laughs> to Pastor Turbo about uh, how Christians in Thailand can respond to some of the problems they're seeing with the Thai government and that uh, the way to do it is not to rail against the system, as we talked about in the last mm. one, but to actually take the exile view. And so I was sitting with some others and showing them this video when I was there late last week as well around how do we view our society as an exile. So if maybe before we get into it, mm. A bit of explanation about what an exile is and how the exile works. Do you think? Do you guys think that that's necessary yeah. or helpful? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Anyone want to have a crack at that, or would you like? Uh, 
myself okay. to do that. Uh, apparently, I'm getting nodded at, so I'll have a I'll have, have a crack. A, um, You're the Bible College student. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so this is going to show a lot. So sorry if anyone who's listening to this and that was, was in, my, in my class or yeah, it was a lecture. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, so the exiles is just yeah when they um, the Jews were taken out of um, out of their homeland pretty much. So uh, so the exiles so they're withdrawn from withdrawn from their culture, withdrawn from their land, uh, and then they pretty much they are in a foreign culture. Yep, yep. they're in a place where um, where they aren't nec- they aren't free. They are they are they yep. like they are slaves. Yep, um, in that culture, uh, and so they've got to live learn how to live in that culture, um, which is which is which is a pagan culture. Yep. It's against their worldview and become like and still follow. Follow the God of their people, yes, like to still yes. follow Yahweh, yeah, and yeah. that's the the challenge they always faced. Um, and yeah, if you read a little bit of the Old Testament, you probably find that they don't always do it amazingly. No. Um, you get you get a, you get the select few that do it all right and yep. bring them back in line. Um, mm. But it's because it's a challenge. Yeah, and then I think that's probably pretty apt to where yeah. we are today, in that we ourselves are. Uh, are in an exile. Exile. Yep. Yeah, in an exile yep. thing. Yeah. I think we can all agree that probably Daniel would be the best example of how we should live as exiles. For yeah. sure, I believe that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so, but I'll let you continue with the, the thoughts of the exiles. Oh, okay. Mm. So I was going to say, well, so uh, the people of Israel lived in exile, the Jews lived in exile for 70 years. They came back from. Uh, from Babylon, mm. came back to Jerusalem. But realistically, they actually recognized that even though they were brought back into the promised land, they, they understood, the Jews understood that they weren't seeing the fulfillment of what God they believed God had promised them because they may have been in the land, but they were still exiles. They were still r- being ruled by foreign powers. There was successive mm. foreign powers. There was the Persian, the Babylonians first, then the Persians, then the Greeks, and they had a short period of independence, and then the Romans. So over the next 400 years, they were still exiles mm. in their own land. They were exiles. And so, and, and it was at that time, in that post-exile period, that our scriptures were put together. Our Old Testament was put together in the format that mm. it is now. So it was written and they adapted ancient writings and brought them in to mm. tell that story story of what it's like to live as an exile so i actually think this makes the old testament and especially that period of post-exile writings such as daniel so beneficial to us because we can learn how they conducted how they were to conduct themselves in that exile culture and so daniel is is a great example of that and in fact the, the book thriving in babylon is it's really a commentary on the book of daniel mm. so a few things that come to mind here which i think are, are worth mentioning mainly because I think Christians, sometimes we pick our wrong battles. I I see Christians getting upset about things that, if I look at Daniel as an exile, he didn't get upset about. So, for instance, Daniel was taken, he was a member of the royal household of Judah, uh, under God, lover of Yahweh, was taken, and because he was part of the royal household, he was was, uh, brought in to serve the royal household of Babylon. Uh, Now, you would think, wouldn't you, that, that would be abhorrent Mm. to serve Mm. a pagan king as a member of the royal household of 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 judah daniel however didn't see it that way and this to me is the middle road that we were talking about in the last Mm. the last episode he found a way to do what they call in the bible project the guys call it uh um loyal uh, it escapes me now. Mm. Uh, they call it um, a, sort of an appropriate level of submission, but also um, 
a, a sub, an appropriate level of um, taking a stand. It, the yep. term terminology they use lo- loyalty, a mixture of loyalty and subversion. There, I knew it would yep. come to me. Yeah. Loyalty and subversion. What does it look to to have loyalty, but also be subversive? Mm. In other words, how do I take a stand when our society is asking us to do something that is against our morality? Mm. And what you see, in a nutshell, in the way that Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worked, is that there were times where they were subversive. There were times where they said, O king, Mm. we can't do that. And Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fiery furnace. They, in other words, they said, no, that's as far as we're prepared to go. But what we see, if you look at their subversion, if you look at the way they do it, I actually think it's quite different to what many Christians call subversion in the Western world today. Hmm. Interesting idea. I don't think they were waving placards. In fact, if you look at their language, for instance, they say, take the three dudes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who who are commanded to worship the statue. And uh, they say to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Uh, And then they say, our God is able to save us. If he doesn't, we want you to know that we're still not going to bow the knee to you. Mm. So there's the subversion, but it's prefaced by, O king, live forever. There's honor. There's honor there. Mm. There's there's this respect for authority there. There isn't this blatant abuse of power. They, They found a way to graciously lay down their be willing to lay down their lives but do it in a way that wasn't so subversive that it undermined or or, or uh, pushed them mm. out of the public they, they maintain the respect really in the end yeah uh, yeah, and they basically show that the reason that they were not uh, bending the knee or bowing to the will of the king was because they had to bow to a greater power yes. than even the king yes mm. that's the way to do it yeah. yeah and they did it respectfully I think yeah Definitely. And they certainly chose their battles, like you were saying. Yeah, like, yeah. And when you think about Daniel and, and how they, mm. you know, he, he chose not to eat the king's food, yes. he, mm. he, he kind of set it up so it would be a bit of a, um, a test. Yeah. And it, it was also a, a way for God to ultimately be glorified throughout that situation okay. and, and for the king to learn of the glory of God. Yes. You don't see Daniel, it doesn't, we don't read Daniel was launching a protest vote among all the, the eunuchs saying, we refuse, we refuse to eat, we refuse to That's eat. That's right, he, there's he no hunger strike, no. yeah. He said, how dare you claim that we have to eat this? No, he did it, he did it hmm. submissively. He said, you know, could you just try us out hmm. yeah. for 10 days and hmm. see? So he found a way to be subversive. Now, he drew a standard on something that he was not going to eat. Now, that is an interesting standard to draw. And this is when it comes to what, where, where do we draw the line. Yep. I don't think this is black and white. So I look at it and think, well, you know, in our society, most Christians I know aren't worried about what they're eating. Mm. Yeah. Very few Christians will draw a line in the sand about whether they should eat some kind of meat or vegetables or whatever. But, but Daniel did that. But there are other things that Daniel, he, to use a cricket analogy, he let other things go straight through to the keeper yeah. that, that we would often – be up in arms yeah. about. For instance, in in the first chapter of Daniel, I think it is, he explains that he was dressed like them, and Jews would have beards, and he he mm. he was dressed like a Babylonian. He had his beard, would have had his beard shaved. Mm. He was wearing those clothes that the that the pagans would wear. Yeah. Uh, so to put that in, mo- mo- if we were in an Islamic society, that would be like a a Christian just being willing to wear mm. Islamic wear. Now, most Christians would have a problem with that. Yeah. Mm. Daniel doesn't seem to have had a problem with that. It gets better. Hmm. Daniel and his three friends allow their names to be changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the the crazy one. Like 
if you think that when people talk about their identity, they talk of like your name is a big part. Is of a big part of that. Yeah. Um, especially um, in in the time of of Daniel is where that the the family name that it would be you know is what showed where what your status was yep. showed you know your lineage yep. was by your name yep and so that then he's now and you know, him and his three mates have all just gone yeah we're happy to take on that name yeah like without any like they didn't even kick up a fuss it doesn't nothing. seem to be a fuss about it yeah and the names they take on yeah are the names of foreign gods yeah, yeah. I mean, that, crazy, that's that's pretty radical. If you're listening to this, just think about that for a minute. Imagine that Australia is uh, is overtaken by an Islamic government, and mm. every Christian you're, you're a Christian, and you're ordered to take on the name Muhammad, mm. and you're this thus after going to be known as Muhammad Brennan. Yeah. Or, or you know, we're taken over by a, a Buddhist society, mm. and we're mm. expected to take on the name of the Buddha. Mm-hmm. That's what Adam. That's what Daniel and his three friends did. Yeah. So you know, I look at that and that question. I question that. I question myself. How would I cope with that? Yeah. So I guess they found a way to have this subversion, mm. but they they found a way to um, do it in a way that was still loyal. Mm. They picked their battles. They, they picked definitely picked their battles. And I think that's the the hardest thing is that for it seems to be for us now is that we find it really hard because all these hot topics just keep popping up all the time mm. um, and it's just one after the other after the other. Sometimes multiple hit us yes. at once. Yes. We just don't know where what battle that we should be fighting that we end up trying to fight all of them. Fight all of them. And yeah. we probably fail at all yeah. of them um, because it could be from everything from just if it's, you know, if you're fighting them out of fear, you're probably not going to get very far because your argument's going to be rooted in fear, not in God. Uh, So, you know, if you've got your argument rooted in truth, then you're probably not going to be fighting all of them at once. You're probably going to be going, well, I'm secure in what it is that I believe. What What do I feel as though God is saying the most important thing that I need to be standing up for? I agree. And that's the thing. Find out what that is for you. Yeah. And like, so... I like I, I like Matthew. So I'm gonna we we might as well talk about scripture sometimes. So good point. Um, we can already tell that my theology major was actually theology and not but biblical studies, um, because I can't remember Bible quotes to save my life <laughs> at the moment. So, um, so but anyway, so Matthew six twenty five. Um, this is what I took. Um, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough to, uh, food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And just more about uh, we ha- we seem to just worry about everything that sort of hits us, our everyday life, you know, whether it's, you know, if it was Daniel, he was wearing the clothes of yep. a foreign nation yeah. yep. that conquered his people. He had no issues about that. Um but he chose to fight on the food and drink. Yep. Because he was just like, I feel as though that like that, that was, was a, a standard. A, a standard. Yep. But I love it just say like, not to worry. Like I know that there's a fair few other verses that talk about worry in terms of what we, we worry about topics mm. and worry about things that we shouldn't be worrying about. What we should be worrying about is that are we reflecting God? Mm. Are we saying this is the God we serve? This is the God that's that's changed our lives, and then and sharing and sharing that with people, yeah. and going out and and doing that. And I think that's a lot of time is that our fear 
becomes worry. So we see all these things come up and we feel as though we need to have a response. Yes. Um, we feel as though that we need to be an expert on topics that yeah. we have no idea how to even get the information. Mm. Um, and sometimes we feel as though that we need to have an opinion on a topic, even though that like the topic doesn't mean anything to us, but we'll have an opinion anyway, because someone we know has an opinion. We'll just or say we'll have even worse. We'll only have half an opinion. And that's, yeah. that's even worse than having an educated opinion. Yeah. It's actually okay, listeners, to say, I, I actually know. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally okay to say, yeah. do you know what? I don't feel qualified yeah. to yeah. express an opinion mm. on that. It takes humility and it is countercultural, mm. but it's better than mm. be feeling forced into a corner mm. to have an opinion on something yeah. that you mm. haven't actually done your research on. Yeah. yeah, especially when you're talking to someone who's who's well-versed in that yes. that topic yeah. that can actually teach you something. Yeah. Um, mm. I think if we follow Daniel's life uh, to to the end, or like that story, if we keep following that story, ultimately he takes a stand against something that we all would all agree that we should take a stand on as Christians, is that's whether we should pray. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Whether we should have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and society is not there yet and that's kind of what we've been talking about um and we can rest assured knowing that society society is not there yet mm. we can have a relationship with jesus yep. jesus and we can still come into this wonderful building and worship jesus together on a sunday that's exactly right yeah, yeah. so what would you say pastor Ron, to people who are genuinely concerned about the way the world seems to be going with regard to morality and religious freedom sure what what would you say to people and and that are concerned for their kids and and what it's going to look like down the track? I think we will go into this in a little bit more depth in a, in a future podcast in this series. But right now, my best advice to people who are genuinely concerned is acknowledge that to yourself. You know, I'm concerned about this, but then bring it before God and. And come at it with a but God attitude. There is. We did a series in our in our church earlier this year, mm. maybe late last year. I think it was earlier this year. Called but God, and yeah, it was was earlier this year. And and we wanted to filter everything through a but God mentality. It's very easy to have a, a or no mentality, mm. and uh, it's not helpful and it's not faith based. But God is still on His throne. But all things work together for good. But God is still. A healer god is still a deliverer mm. and if we can reframe our narrative in our head uh it's not just positive mental attitude it's actually accessing mm. the throne of god a god who is not taken off guard or caught off it's not like god's in heaven going oh no they're in a post-christian society i didn't expect that mm. god knows the end from the beginning he has a way forward the harvest is still wide uh, he has a way to to, to enable us to live our most flourishing life in the midst of this so if we can shift our mentality that way it's amazing how faith when we switch on faith it will change our psychological health our emotional health and more than that we'll actually start to see god move in our world because god responds to faith one of the most famous verses in all of the old testament jeremiah 29 11 does anyone know what jeremiah 29 11 says gentlemen wow for I, I have, um, know the I know the plans, plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Yeah. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. it. For I know the plans I have for you. Now that verse is often quoted, 
But that verse needs to be put and set in its context. In, in context. its context, it's an exile quote. In its context, it's written by Jeremiah to the exiles who were trying to go back to Jerusalem. They were yeah. bemoaning the fact that they were in exile. So we could say it's written to those of us who are Christians mm. who are complaining about the fact that we're in exile. Yeah. And into that context, Jeremiah, uh, the Lord speaks through Jeremiah and says to them, he says, for I know the plans I have for you hmm. in exile. Yeah. They're not plans for evil. They're plans for good. Yeah. They're plans to give you a hope and a future. And therefore, he goes on and says, so settle down, plant gardens, mm. build houses, live there in exile, hmm. engage. In, and, then, and then he says this, this comment, which is amazing. He says, work for the good of the place where the Lord has put you. Yeah. So yeah. He's, not, he's, he's urging the people in exile you will find your best life when you strive to live as a faithful exile and do good for those around mm. you. Don't don't rail against it. Don't mm. fight against it. Don't kick up a stink. But actually, actually live and prosper in exile because because Jeremiah says to them, "You're going to be there for seventy years." So, so mm. trust me, I'm going to be with you in the middle of all of that. Yeah. So when we put it in its exile comment, I think that's how we can respond to that mm. in terms of. You know, when we're genuinely concerned about the way the world seems to be going, and I, Mark says we talked about in the previous podcast, he he quoted Augustine, who uh, is one of the early church fathers, and I had no idea this. This amazed me. I don't think I've got it in front of me, but Augustine was writing during this time we talked about uh, with the fall of the Roman Empire, when when the when the Roman Empire was actually falling, hmm. and the Christians <laughs> were bemoaning the fact, get this, the Christians were bemoaning the fact that the Roman Empire was falling. For 200 years odd, they had, the Roman Empire had been the enemy. Yeah. Mm. Now the Roman Empire had gotten to a point where they were upset that, by the fact that their government was falling apart. And into that environment, Augustine had to write and tell the Christians, hey, God is still on the throne. That's great. God is still in charge. And that, to me, tells me something that we we really need to hear, those words. In fact, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to see if I can find this quote from Augustine. Here we go. Augustine took a different approach. He says this. He says, Augustine on the fall of Rome. In Book 2, Chapter 4, Augustine asked, why were the gods so negligent as to allow the morals of their worshippers to sink to so low a depth? Why did those gods lay down moral precepts that would help the devotees lead to a decent life? In chapter 21 of the same book, he writes, However great and good your natural gifts may be, it takes true piety to make them pure and perfect. With impurity, they merely end in loss and pain. Augustine's long and loosely argued book was finished after year, years after the sack of Rome. And he actually urged them, he urged the Christians to fight against or, or not to fight against the, or fe be fearful of the fact that the, the Roman Empire was falling. It says various people put this question to the greatest living Christian thinker of the day. Augustine of Hippo, he responded in his masterpiece, The City of God and the City of Man. It was the world's first modern history in the sense that it offered an account of the world history with a teleological explanation, a God explanation, showing the events of purpose. And he was urging the Christians to not be fearful. Yeah. So here's a people who had been persecuted by the government 
had now become comfortable with the government. The Christian culture. The Christian culture. And he's saying, hey, guys, it's okay. God is still on the throne. Mm. Just because the Roman Empire falls down doesn't mean that God's fallen off his throne. Mm. That sounds a whole lot like, like what we're facing today. Yeah. Yeah. So let's be those kind of people, I think, who are faithful to God to the end. Mm. Wow. Well, I think that kind of brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, guys, thanks for tuning in. Like us, subscribe. Share it with your friends. Rate review. Rate review, all that stuff. If that you've if you've stumbled onto this podcast and you haven't found a place to call home as far as church is concerned, C3 Camden, C3 Picton, find us on Facebook, find us on the websites. Um, we'd love to meet you. Yeah, we'd love sure. to meet you. We'd love to get yeah. to know you. Now but until next time, yeah. we'll see you then. Bye. See you, everyone.